Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We're now going to go live to the Coast Guard base in Boston for a press conference about what's happening. an update on the most recent findings from ROV operations in search of the Titan submersible. He will provide a brief statement and provide the opportunity for questions after. Please limit your questions to one per outlet. Following the briefing, the Joint Information Center staff and I will be here to help you with any of your further needs. May I now please introduce Rear Admiral John Mauger. This morning, an ROV or remote operated vehicle from the vessel Horizon Arctic discovered the tail cone of the Titan submersible approximately 1,600 feet from the bow of the Titanic on the seafloor. The ROV subsequently found additional debris. In consultation with experts from within the Unified Command, the debris is consistent with the catastrophic loss of the pressure chamber. Upon this determination, we immediately notified the families. On behalf of the United States Coast Guard and the entire Unified Command, I offer my deepest condolences to the families. I can only imagine what this has been like for them. And I hope that this discovery provides some solace during this difficult time. Additionally, we've been in close contact with the British and French Consuls General to ensure that they are fully apprised and that their concerns are being addressed. The outpouring of support in this highly complex search operation has been robust and immensely appreciated. We are grateful for the rapid mobilization of experts on the undersea search and rescue, and we thank all of the agencies and personnel for their role in the response. We're also incredibly grateful for the full spectrum of international assistance that's been provided. The ROVs will remain on scene and continue to gather information. Again, our most heartfelt condolences go out to the loved ones of the crew. We'll now take questions. This was a uh, incredibly uh, complex uh, case, uh, and we're still working to develop the details 
uh, for the timeline involved uh, with uh, this casualty and uh, the response. And so we'll provide that information. So this is an incredibly complex uh, operating environment on the seafloor over two miles uh, beneath the surface. And so uh, the, the remote operating vehicle has been searching and it is highly capable. Uh, and we've been able to classify uh, parts of the uh, pressure chamber uh, for uh, the Titan submersible. Let me refer to uh, one of my uh, undersea experts here uh, Mr. Uh, Paul Hankin to talk about uh, the nature of some of the debris. Uh, thank you, Admiral. So, so essentially we found uh, five different major pieces of, of debris that uh, told us that it was the uh, remains of the Titan. The initial thing we found was the nose cone, which was outside of the pressure hull. Um, we then found a large debris field. Within that large debris field, uh, we found the, the front end bell of the pressure hull. Um, that was the first indication that um, there was a catastrophic event. Um, shortly thereafter, we found the, a second smaller debris field. Within that debris field, uh, we found the the other end of the pressure hull, the, the aft end bell, um, which was basically the comprised of the totality of that pressure vessel. Um, we continue to map the debris field, and as the Admiral said, we will uh, do the best we can to fully map out what's down there. So, so the questions was uh, related. I'm restating the question from the standpoint of uh, sometimes it's hard to hear the question here. Uh, what are the prospects for re, uh, recovering uh, crew members? And so, uh, this is a incredibly unforgiving uh, environment down there uh, on the seafloor, uh, and uh, the debris is consistent with a catastrophic. Uh, implosion of uh, the vessel. And so uh, we'll continue to uh, work and continue to uh, search uh, the area uh, down there, but uh, I, I don't have an answer for uh, prospects at this time. Sorry, any suggestion at all that the, that the sub itself collided with the wreckage of Titanic or that instead, instead it might have imploded above the wreckage and down So uh, the question was, is there any question as to whether or not the sub collided with the Titanic or whether it uh, imploded uh, above and, and debris uh, field created from that? Uh, so the, uh, the, the location of the Titan submersible was in an area that was approximately 1,600 feet uh, from uh, the uh, wreck of the Titanic. Uh, I have uh, an expert here that can that is familiar with that area and can talk about uh, the debris field and and what uh, the debris field indicates in terms of uh, the where the casualty may have occurred. We're 
Admiral, really quickly, can you tell me when that massive fleet will be called back? Thank you, Admiral. Uh, so the question is, where does the wreck lie in uh, relation to the Titanic? Uh, I didn't hear the Admiral's uh, answer. I think 1,600 feet. Was that correct, Admiral? Yep. Uh, so that's uh, that's off the bow of Titanic. It's in an area where there is not any debris of Titanic. It is a smooth bottom. Uh, there, to my knowledge, and anything I've seen, there's no Titanic wreckage in that area. And again, 200 plus meters from the bow, uh, and consistent with the location of last communication uh, for an implosion in the water column. And the size of the debris field is uh, consistent with that implosion in the water column. Uh, so the question was about the timing of the catastrophic implosion. Uh, right now, it is uh, too early to tell uh, with that. Uh, we know that uh, as we've been prosecuting uh, this search uh, over the course of the last uh, 72 hours uh, and, and beyond, uh, that we've had sonar buoys in the water uh, nearly continuously and have not uh, detected any uh, catastrophic events uh, when those sonar buoys have been in the water. So, Can you describe what happened from here, sir, uh, in the next days and weeks in terms of finding So we will, uh, the question was, uh, what happens from here? Uh, what, what's the next phase? Um, and so right now, uh, again, our uh, thoughts are uh, with the families uh, and making sure that uh, uh, they have uh, um, an understanding as best as we can provide uh, of, of uh, what happened and, and uh, begin to uh, find uh, some closure. Uh, in terms of the large process, we're going to continue to uh, investigate the uh, site of uh, the debris field. Uh, and then I know that there's also a lot of questions about uh, how, why, and when uh, did this happen. Um, and so, uh, you know, those are questions that uh, we will uh, collect as much information as we can on uh, now uh, while uh, the governments are, are meeting and, and discussing, uh, you know, uh, what uh, uh, an investigation of this uh, nature of uh, a casualty might look like. This is something that happened, I'll just, just remind everybody, this is something that happened in a remote portion of the, of the ocean uh, with, uh, uh, people uh, from, you know, uh, several different countries around the world. Uh, and so it is a uh, complex uh, case to work through. But I, I, I'm confident that uh, uh, those questions will uh, begin to get answered. Uh, the uh, the question was uh, was there any suggestion that uh, time factors uh, may have uh, played a a, um, a a role or or a consideration in uh, the the casualty here, and so the debris field is consistent with a catastrophic uh, uh, 
uh, implosion of the vessel. Uh, again, while uh, we were prosecuting the search, we had uh, listening devices uh, in the water throughout and did not hear uh, any uh, signs of catastrophic uh, failure uh, from those. And so we're going to continue to uh, investigate uh, or we're going to continue to uh, document the information there and, and understand uh, based on all the information we have, the, the timeline. So the question was, what uh, what are the resources required for the investigation and which ships will be pulling out and uh, staying in? And so uh, it, it's too early uh, for me to talk about an investigation. That's a decision that's going to be taken outside of uh, the search and, and uh, uh, efforts that uh, I was leading. Uh, and but we do have a number of vessels. We have uh, nine vessels on the scene right now. Uh, we had uh, medical uh, personnel on scene. We had other technicians uh, on scene. And so we will begin uh, to demobilize uh, personnel and, and vessels uh, from the scene uh, over the course of the next uh, uh, 24 hours. Uh, but we're gonna continue uh, remote operations on the seafloor uh, and and I don't have a timeline for when uh, we would uh, intend to stop remote operations on the seafloor at this point. Admiral, as a result of this, do you think there should be changes in the way that the Coast Guard is Yeah, the, the question was essentially about, uh, do you think that there should be changes in safety ratings or inspection uh, for these standards? Uh, I know that there's a lot of questions about why, how, when uh, this happened, and, and uh, the members of the Unified Command, you know, uh, have those questions too as, as professionals and experts that work uh, in this environment. And this is an, an incredibly uh, difficult and dangerous environment uh, to work in out there. But those, those questions uh, about uh, the uh, regulations that apply and, and uh, the standards, uh, that's gonna be, I'm sure, a focus of future uh, review. Uh, right now, uh, we're focused on uh, documenting uh, the the scene and, and continuing the the subfloor operations. So uh, throughout uh, the search efforts, we uh, reacted to uh, the information uh, that we had available to us. Uh, and while we continue to uh, send it off for deep, uh, deeper analysis, again, really complex uh, operating environment for us to work in. Uh, let me uh, check uh, with the experts, but there doesn't appear to be any uh, connection between uh, the noises and uh, uh, the location uh, on the seafloor. Again, uh, this uh, was a uh, catastrophic uh, implosion of the vessel, which would have generated uh, a significant broadband sound uh, down there that uh, the sonar buoys would have picked up. This will be the last question.
This was a uh, incredibly uh, complex operation, uh, and uh, we were able to uh, mobilize an immense amount of gear uh, to the site in uh, just a, a really a remarkable amount of time, uh, given the fact that we started without any sort of uh, vessel response plan for this or any sort of pre-stage resources. And so the equipment uh, that was brought on site this morning uh, that we were using uh, was a, a pelagic ROV uh, capable of operating at 6,000 meters, uh, cameras, sonar, uh, other uh, articulating arms and, and uh, resources on it. Uh, and it, uh, you know, we had to transport it here through C-17 uh, aircraft. This is two aircraft that it took to get this up here. And so uh, we've really had the, the right uh, gear on site and worked uh, as, uh, as, as uh, swiftly as possible to bring all of the capabilities that we had to bear uh, to uh, this search and rescue effort. Uh, and it was just a huge uh, international and interagency uh, effort to make this happen. Uh, so I'm, I'm really grateful for all of uh, the responders uh, that came out to support this uh, and and really uh, you know search uh, for uh, for the vessel it is a difficult day uh, for all of us um, and and it's especially difficult uh, for the families and our thoughts are with the families uh, today um, but uh, this was an immense uh, support and we had the right gear on the bottom uh, to, to find it. So thank you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, that was the breaking news, uh, the press conference there uh, from the US Coast Guard. We were just listening to Rear Admiral John Morgan. He's the commander of the US Coast Guard there, uh, expressing his uh, deep sadness over what had happened and confirming the very sad news that the five people on board the Titan submersible have all 
uh, perished in this tragedy. That's Stockton Ross, uh, Shazada Darwood and his son, Suleiman Darwood, Hamish Harding, of course, the British billionaire, and Paul-Henri Nargelet. They're all now confirmed to have died. And it appears that the Titan suffered a catastrophic implosion uh, due to the, the loss of uh, pressure in the chamber uh, and fragmented, it seems, about 1,600 feet away uh, from the wreckage of the Titanic. Uh, so some way down towards the, the wreckage, but not actually there itself. Um, but some very powerful words there from the, the Rear Admiral saying these men... Well, this is, first of all, a statement from Ocean Gate, who are the company, of course, who, uh, who put on this trip and owned the Titan. They said, we now believe that our CEO, Stockton Rush, and the others uh, on board have sadly been lost. These men were true explorers who shared a distinct spirit of adventure and a deep passion for exploring and protecting the world's oceans. Our hearts are with these five souls and every member of their families during this tragic time. We grieve the loss of life and joy they brought to everyone they knew. This is an extremely sad time for our dedicated employees who are exhausted and grieving deeply over this loss. So what we know now is the site of the fatal accident was 1,600 feet, so 487 metres off the bow of the Titanic wreck. Um, the authorities found five major pieces of debris. Uh, these apparently included a nose cone, the front end of the pressure hull, and the back end of the pressure hull. This is uh, confirmed by Paul Hankins, a salvage expert for the US Navy. He said that these pieces indicated there had been a catastrophic event uh, of an implosion, so it had imploded rather than exploded. All families were immediately notified. This was uh, discovered, this debris, uh, around uh, half past two, three o'clock UK time. Uh, and he said that the chances of recovering the bodies, according to Real Admiral Morga, uh, is very slim because it's an incredibly unforgiving environment. So it's not been ruled out. But clearly, from what he said there, it has to be unlikely. Um, he said it's too early to tell exactly when the implosion had taken place. Uh, but they do know now for sure that there was a catastrophic implosion that sadly killed everybody on board. Well, I'm joined now, rejoined, in fact, by a guest I had last night, Fred Hagen, who was on board the last two Titan missions and those two of the people on board, Stockton Rush and Paul Henry Nargelet. Well, uh, Fred, I'm really sad to speak to you again now that we know the news, which I think we both probably feared yesterday but didn't want to say that very sadly, everyone on board has lost their lives. What is your reaction to what we just heard? Well, there is, as you can imagine, sitting here listening to this press conference while waiting to talk to you has uh, made this much more difficult than I anticipated. And I, I can only say that the world has lost two radiant points of life of light with Stockton and PH. And as we talked yesterday, these men were great men who tried greatly and risked everything. And I want their epitaph to be what Teddy Roosevelt said, that the credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood and who strives valiantly who errors who come short again and again because there is no effort without our own shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms 
the great devotions who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, excuse me, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. And that, to me, is the true epitaph to Stockton Rush and P.H. Narjolet and their companions. And I'm very sorry. I just, it, it, it was just devastating sitting here listening to the realization of what we all feared and then trying to express my feelings moments later. I apologize. Fred, there's no apology obviously needed at all. Uh, I know from our, our conversation yesterday how personally moved you've been by this. The rest of the world has watched on in sort of mounting horror as this story has unraveled. For you, it was incredibly personal. You've been on this vessel. You've been on the last two Titanic missions in 2021 and 22 with Stockton Rush, with your friend PH. He'd been down to that wreckage 30 odd times, I think, and brought back so many extraordinary things for the world to see. It was a genuine historian in that sense. Um, we're looking at a picture of, of you all now. Um, it's a desperately sad time for you and for everyone who knew them, their friends, their families, everyone. And it's a sad time, I think, for the world to look on and see people who ultimately, as I, I said yesterday, I got very angry about the reaction from certain people about the fact that they were wealthy people paying to go down there and so on. It, to me, they were intrepid explorers. It doesn't matter how much money you have. They're intrepid explorers. And some are paid to be there and some are being paid to be there. It makes the difference. The, the goal was to go down and find new information which could shed light on one of the great tragedies of the history of this planet, which was the, the sinking of the Titanic. And I commend them for the courage that it took to do that. And I think that their death is a, an absolute tragedy. Uh, but they should be remembered as, as heroes who, who went down there. I wouldn't go down there. I mean, I, I admire you for doing it. You know, it's an extraordinary thing to want to do. And Piers, you know, I'd like to say that right now at this point in time, the death toll from the Titanic tragedy has risen from 1517 to 1522 and may god rest their souls yeah i mean it is an eerie thing isn't it when you think about the titanic and the huge death loss as you say and the fact they were going down there to see there and have now lost their lives there was a very poignant interview actually with the older sister of shazada darwood who said uh, she felt absolutely heartbroken that both her brother and, of course, her nephew, who's only 19, is a student at Strathclyde University. Um, and this is Asma Darwood, who was the aunt of that young boy and the sister of, of his father on board as well. I feel like I've been caught in a really bad film, she said, with a countdown, but you didn't know what you're counting down to. I've personally found it incredibly difficult to breathe thinking of them. She then said that her nephew didn't want to go on the, uh, on the submersible, but agreed to take part because it was important to his father, a lifelong Titanic obsessive. Uh, the Suleiman, she said, wasn't very up for it and was terrified, explaining the 19-year-old had expressed his concerns on the family member. But that is, of course, part of, I guess, the adventure. And yes, it's ended, it's ended in appalling circumstances. It's cost that young man his life. But his father obviously was enthralled by the history of this and wanted to be part of that 
history and to go down there and to explore. And again, I say, I think it's a heroic and noble thing to do that kind of thing. Most people don't get the chance to do it and don't have the inclination to do it. Most people live lives of quiet desperation and these men live large. They've realized their dreams, they pursued them and they should be celebrated. It's been revealed by the Coast Guard. It doesn't appear to be any connection between the underwater banging noises that were identified yesterday coming every 30 minutes and the location of where this debris was found. So they seem to be saying there doesn't appear to be any connection there. Does that suggest to you, Fred, that this catastrophic implosion may have happened quite quickly after they went down? What would be your reading of this? Well, clearly it happened very quickly. I was originally critical of the fact that the those in command did not allow the Brits to immediately mobilize the Magellan. And obviously that was because they'd heard a seismic event and they interpreted it as a catastrophic failure. And then those noises were heard and there was a change of heart. Uh, the French came last night. They showed up on site for their beloved PH. And, you know, I believe that the Magellan was finally mobilized. And that was as a result of hearing those knocking noises. But yes, at this point, uh, clearly there was a catastrophic failure on the descent. And the and while we're all devastated by the loss of these wonderful human beings, at the same time, there is another little part of me that that is relieved that they have not spent the last several days dying slowly in the most horrific, nightmarish condition. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, it would, from what I've read, when this kind of implosion occurs, it literally takes milliseconds and nobody on board would even be aware of it. Um, it's, it is that, catastrophic and instant. That is correct. And at least they were spared any suffering. And, and that is some solace to PH's daughter and to the families, to Stockton's widow, Wendy, and to all the others. I didn't know the other passengers, but it, it is a, a small solace. You know, you talk about PH, this extraordinary man. He served in the French Navy for 25 years. He was known as Titanic's greatest explorer. According to his biography, um, he was widely considered the leading authority on the Titanic shipwreck. Um, what was he like as, as a man, Fred? Well, you would never have known that he was the preeminent deep diving expert on Earth. You know, he was a consummate professional, but you would sit down with him and he would be just as warm and relaxed as, as your oldest friend. And as someone else said, whether he was just as comfortable in the deck of a ship in a tornado, as he was sitting in a Parisian cafe. I mean, that was very true. And and that was PH. He was very down to earth. He, he was both incredibly accomplished and incredibly humble. The You've been on this. You've been on the same missions. Did you have moments, Fred, where you felt unnerved, scared even? I mean, how intimidating is the experience of doing this kind of journey? It can be very intimidating. Uh, I, PH would would always be calm, and and you know there are some people that are just calm under stress, and and I like to think I'm one of them. There were a few moments we when we got 
kind of the currents pulled us into the ship and, and we were momentarily entangled. And, and I, I know that others on the sub uh, were maybe more unnerved than, you know, and they wanted to immediately ascend. For my part, uh, you know, we, I always wanted, I wanted to see the stern and one of the experiences I had this year is we went all around the bow and explored it and I wanted to go to the stern on the same day. I wanted to be the first person to see both pieces on the same day. And we tried. And the when we got back, Wendy and Stockton were, were both incredulous and saying, well, what on earth were you doing? Why were you trying to get to the stern? And of course, I was blamed for the our perseverance. So I'm not sure if I answered your question or, or addressed it. But yes, there there were moments, but they did not in any way diminish my appetite to experience the Titanic and experience this wonderful adventure with with PH Narjolet. And I'll always treasure that event and I'll always treasure his friendship. We have a statement just in from the British Foreign Secretary James Cleverly. Tragic news that those on the Titan submersible, including three British citizens, have been lost following an international search operation. The UK government is closely supporting the families affected and expresses our deepest condolences. Um, Stockton Rush, inevitably, I guess, as the CEO and founder of OceanGate, he's come under, in the last few days, a lot of criticism, along with the company, uh, for maybe cutting corners and not doing enough um, to make the Titan properly secure for this kind of mission. You know, it's, it, I, I don't think we should labour that point now that he's so sadly lost his life. But what is your response, Fred, to that particular criticism that it wasn't really ready to do this kind of thing? The only criminal act was the failure of governments to properly fund science and deep water exploration. What Stockton did was to pursue cutting edge technology to take human beings into a realm where they've never gone before. You know, you've had previously you had government funded submersibles, maybe that whole one or two people that have gone that deep. You, you've never had anyone try to democratize the depths, trying to take humanity where it never belonged, it was never able to access. And I, I look at it kind of like the original flyers, as I mentioned previously. The Wright brothers took off and left the surly bonds of Earth. Do you, do you know how many people died trying to make aviation safe and, and where anybody could participate safely? They died by the hundreds, by the scores, mm. and they gave their lives trying to you know stretch the envelope to exceed expectations to go further and farther and faster. And Stockton was doing that. He was doing it in the depths of the ocean, which is the great frontier on Earth, the last unexplored region of Earth, which is so critical to our own future and critical to the preservation of life on Earth. And Hamish hey, Hardy... And I'll just, I'll, just, I'm sorry. I'll, just, I'll just add, I'm sorry, Pierce. I'll just add that a lot of the criticism that's mounting up, I, I mean, I, I hear things, I've heard, I can't tell how many times I've heard about the joystick. It's a video game joystick, and it's like uh, uh, that's funny, and, and people laugh and they make fun of it. Well, that's the difference between a government-funded project and a brilliant entrepreneur who is trying to push boundaries. The government would have spent tens of millions of dollars designing a joystick that would have worked perfectly and brilliantly. Mm -hmm. Stockton Rush was able to find a joystick that worked just as efficiently, 
by using a video game controller. And one thing I know beyond any doubt is whatever happened to that submersible, it had nothing to do with the video game controller. Fred, uh, I'm so sorry that this, this has ended the way it has for your two great friends. Uh, it's a very sad day, I think, for everyone who's ever been down on that expedition to the Titanic and to lose people who've so experienced, so attached to that, uh, must be a huge loss to you, both professionally, I guess, and also obviously personally. And I really appreciate you joining me so soon after that news was broken. Thank you, Piers, and I'll say again, thank you so much for your attitude and for your gracious handling of, of this tragedy. I, I deeply, deeply appreciate it, and I know the family does too. Well, thank you, Fred, and I, I mean it. I, I'm sincere about that. I think these people are heroic when they do this kind of thing, and to attack thank them, you so much. attack them because of how much money they may have is completely missing the point to me. Uh, Fred Hagen, thank yes. you very much indeed. Thank you. Well, just to recap for viewers who are tuning in, the very sad breaking news that the Titan submersible, which had been missing for three days uh, down near the wreckage of the Titanic, sadly, it's now transpired, suffered a catastrophic implosion. We don't know exactly when that happened, but debris from the vessel was discovered at about 2.30 p.m. UK time this afternoon, uh, just before 9 a.m. Eastern time in America. Uh, they discovered a series of items from the debris which were identifiable as coming from the Titan, including a nose cone, the front end of the pressure hull, the back end of the pressure hull, which made it clear this was indeed the missing vessel. And very sadly, that also meant that all five of the people on board had lost their lives. So uh, a very sad end to a story which has gripped the world. Uh, I'm joined now by someone who knows all about the perils of the ocean, uh, Rob O'Neill, the former Navy SEAL, uh, who was on many missions, including, of course, he was the man who shot and killed Osama bin Laden. Rob, great to speak to you. Um, what was your reaction when you first heard about what had happened here? My initial reaction to this was uh, because there was no last, like, serious communications where they said, hey, we might have a minor issue, we're going to try this. There was an incident in 1963 with the USS Thresher in April of 63 where they were doing test dive to certain depths. And there's a design depth and a crush depth and they were testing it. And one of the things they said, they were experiencing a leak and they said, hey, we're going to try this on the on the uh, the phone that works the uh, in the in the water. And then the next communication was you can hear the metal um, clinking, meaning they were getting they got crushed. And the only good thing, if it's not good, but the only relief is that it happened so fast at those depths that you never know that it happened. But with this, it wasn't I, I would hope it wasn't just a matter of it's either this or nothing. There's going to be a release of a buoy with some sort of a trans transponder that can that can um, that can pick you up or find you. And there's going to be communications. This they just this just they stopped communicating, which means they got to a certain depth and then it just crushed them. Which, uh, you know, it's it, this is not, it's not a good situation, no matter what. But if, if you're going to die doing something you love, something um, the uh, just exploring the way they were, which is how we get great inventions. I personally would rather it be to get crushed that quickly than to sit on the bottom and either run out of air or freeze to death. So I mean, of all the worst case scenarios, that was the best worst case and. You know, these five people, you, you can read all the crap on the internet. They're doing something that this is, the, these are innovators. This is how we get the good stuff. The, mm. People like this do things like that, like the Wright brothers, just to explore different places. Like we, we know more about space than we do about the bottom of our own oceans. So, I mean, to, to me, these are, these are trailblazers and, and, um, 
it, it's a tough day. I normally peers like to talk to you under different circumstances. This is tough. Uh, it's it's nice that there's closure. It's nice that we don't wonder if they're out there suffering on the surface or down at the at the uh, subsurface. But you know, it's a tough day. It's a very tough day, and you more than most people understand the inherent danger of the ocean as well as the excitement and the fun. It's dangerous, isn't it? And particularly when you're diving at great depth or going down well, in a you... vessel at great depth. Even if even if you're not diving at great depths, there's so much science, there's so much physics and medicine that comes into going subsurface because every uh, every 33 feet is one atmosphere of pressure, and you're dealing with everything like uh, like Boyle's law, how pressure and and volume um, they're different, and the further you go down, breathing uh, um, uh, compressed gases, you can't come up too fast because you're dealing with all this stuff. Uh, the lowest I've ever been underwater while I was scuba diving was 150 feet, which is a 15-story building. That is dark down there, and it's scary down there. Mm. And the more you get into Mother Ocean, the more you realize that, yeah, she takes care of the planet, but she's unforgiving. And you know, just like a bullet, the ocean needs to be right one time. Yeah. And that's all it takes. It's, you need to have respect for the ocean. I love the ocean. The ocean is the reason we are who we are. And there's all, you know, but it's everything from just, you know, when you dip your toe in the ocean, you're now at the bottom of the food chain. There are predators in the ocean. There's dangers in the ocean. There's science in the ocean. There's there's dark and there's cold, uh, which tells you about these you know, these five um, explorers. They yeah. they were willing to, and they signed the waiver saying we're willing to do this. Yes. And that that to me is just, that I think it's, it's it'd be hard to put your signature on that line. They had the guts to do that, let alone get in the sub and go down. So my, I mean, my hat's off to them. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I, they, I think there were three warnings that you could die doing this, and they still all went down there having signed yeah. those waivers. And that takes incredible courage, uh, whatever it's people bravery. think of it. And I, I think they are heroic for doing it. Uh, Rob, as always, it's great to talk to you. I wish it had been a happier ending to this story. It's a very sad day for anyone who's ever been involved in oceanography, um, and particularly, of course, history of the Titanic and everything that goes with that. So thank you mm -hmm. very much. Anytime. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, Josh Gates, the host of Expedition Unknown, joins me now. Uh, Josh, thank you very much indeed for joining me. You actually walked away from an opportunity to film the Titanic down uh, where it lurks in the ocean. Why was that? Well, we, uh, we were thinking about doing a special on Titanic and uh, to work alongside Stockton and Ocean Gate, and we went up to the Ocean Gate headquarters in Everett, Washington in 2021. So this was just a few months before uh, Ocean Gate was set to take its first group of passengers down to the Titanic. And we spent a few days up there and we went out on Titan in Puget Sound and um, took it out for what was effectively a shakedown dive, getting it ready uh, for those uh, operations in the North Atlantic. And, uh, you know, by the end of my time there, and uh, I had a real, uh, you know, uh, terrific time working with Stockton. I'm absolutely kind of just beside myself here listening to all this, just kind of taking it in in real time. It's just, um, it's a lot to process. But by the end of that experience, I, I just did not feel that this was for me. I, I, I really felt more than anything that it was nearly impossible to, to measure the risk of Titan as a platform. It was just almost impossible to measure it against anything else. It is such a unique vehicle. Mm. Uh, it, it is a, a one-off, you know, there's nothing else like it. And because of that, there's nothing to compare it to. And, and for me, it represented, uh, frankly, just too much risk. And I, and it, it just wasn't for me in the end. Do you, do you feel there, but for the grace of God about this? Yeah. I mean, it's, mm. yeah, you know, um, I, I knew Stockton, and again, I, I really am just stunned sitting here about this news. I knew Hamish Harding as well, who's a fellow member of the Explorers Club, an incredible individual. 
um, a big figure both inside and outside the club. And, and um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm beside myself. There's, there's something, uh, I just sit here listening to this news and remember my time in Titan, remember going down. I spent probably two or three hours in the sub with, with Stockton taking it through its paces. And, and uh, you know, I think like everybody, I just prayed right up until that conference for yeah. a miracle, for a positive outcome to all this. Uh, Titanic film director James Cameron, currently speaking to ABC News in America, has just said, I'm struck by the similarity of the Titanic disaster itself, where the captain was repeatedly warned about ice ahead of his ship, and yet he steamed at full speed into an ice field. Yeah. I mean, listen, this is a really difficult moment, I think, for the families of these individuals. I, I don't share some of the viewpoints of, your, of, um, of the gentleman, Fred, who was on a few moments ago. What I do share is this really strong belief that the passengers aboard Titan were incredibly uh, courageous individuals. Mm. Uh, you know, I've really been sickened by so much of the, especially on social media, so many people commenting, why would you do this? Why would you put your life at yeah. risk to go down there? And I have to say that, you know, um, Look, Titanic has fascinated the world since the night that she sank. And uh, it holds a deep personal meaning for many people. Shipwrecks in general, as someone who's visited many shipwrecks uh, in my career, shipwrecks are time capsules. They, they connect us to the past in a really intimate way. And there are people, uh, I mean, look at uh, P.H. Narjale. Mm -hmm. His entire career had been devoted uh, after his work in the Navy to, to studying Titanic and to being one of the world's foremost experts on this ship. This is something that held great meaning for these people. And so, uh, you know, as someone who went in Titan and, and really didn't feel like I was comfortable going down to those depths in it, I have to say it takes an enormous amount of determination, mm -hmm. of courage, of fortitude to take any trip inside uh, a submersible Titan or otherwise. Uh, and so I, I think there should be a huge amount of admiration uh, for all those people. Yeah, As for I mean, Stockton, I, I have to say, yeah. you know, I really, really admire his vision. I admire his spirit of innovation. Uh, I admire that he was a risk taker in some ways. I do think there are still really important questions to ask, not today, but soon, uh, about his calculations of risk and acceptable risk. And, and again, I don't think that's something for today. But uh, I, I do think that he was an innovator. He was someone who was trying to create a new, um, a new platform uh, that could open up uh, the depths of the ocean to, to more people. Uh, I think that is a commendable, noble aim. Uh, I think there are big questions about how he got there, and I think that there'll be a time for that. But as for yeah. today, I, I just remain so heartbroken um, for the families of these people and for the passengers, all of them, um, because I do think as an explorer, as a guy who, who understands people's passions for things like this, um, it, it was an admirable goal to go down there. And Hamish Harding, an extraordinary guy, is a British billionaire, 58 years old. He's chairman of a Dubai-based private plane firm, Action Aviation, but he holds three Guinness World Records, including the longest duration at full ocean depth by a crude vessel, uh, when he, in March 2021, and ocean explorer Victor Vescovo uh, dived to the lowest part of the Mariana Trench. Uh, he was also mission director and crew pilot for the flight mission One More Orbit, which set the current world speed record for the fastest circumnavigation of Earth by aircraft over both geographic poles. Uh, I mean, a quite extraordinary adventurer and explorer. And, you know, 
Are there many people who are billionaires who would risk everything to go down to the bottom of the ocean to see the wreck of the Titanic? I doubt it. And there are some, Richard Branson is one that springs to mind who, who has done that kind of thing, but there aren't many. Most of them bank their cash and sit somewhere, you know, surrounded by comfort and security. This guy risked his life. And yes, he lost his life doing it, but he was in his bones an explorer, an adventurer, a risk taker, probably made him the success he was. And I think that that's why I yeah. totally concur with you that when people ask, why did they do this? Well, why does anyone do anything out of the ordinary? Why that's does right. anyone go you exploring? Know, there, are, there are people who, who climb K2. Right. I'm not going to climb K2. That's not mm. for me. But I wouldn't say that someone was crazy to do it because whether it's mountaineering, whether it's deep sea exploration, whether it's, you know, anything, if it holds great personal meaning to you, then it's something that's admirable for you to do, you yeah. know? And, and, and so I, I think these people were incredibly brave. Josh, I really appreciate you joining me. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Pierce. Well, just to recap again, uh, the sad breaking news that the Titan submersible, that vessel that had gone down at the weekend to the wreckage of the Titanic, uh, has now been confirmed to have suffered a catastrophic implosion that uh, instantly, believed instantly, killed all five passengers on board. So an extremely sad end to a story that has really gripped the world in the last few days. Um, and they died, um, as we were just discussing, really in a heroic way, you know, on an adventure of a lifetime, uh, an extraordinarily intrepid and risky adventure. They signed uh, these waivers that they knew meant they could be going down to their death. And that's how this, is, this has transpired. Uh, but I suspect they would have no regrets for having tried. And that is the very nature of explorers and adventurers. But a, a sad end uh, to what has happened. And yes, there will be questions asked. Of course there will, about how safe this vessel was. Um, you know, one of the people who was the founder of the company that made it, uh, Stockton Rush, he's died in this. Uh, and there will be serious questions to be asked about whether it was really worthy as a vessel to get that far down in the ocean. Uh, very few vessels are. The US military uh, have submarines that cost $2 billion to go anywhere near that kind of depth. Uh, so that will be part, I'm sure, of a big investigation into this. But let's not let the Twitter trolls who in the last few days have been mocking and taunting these people, not even knowing if they're alive or dead, uh, claiming that because they have money, some of them, somehow their lives are uh, less worthy and that we should be focused on that rather than what they were actually trying to do. Uh, I'm joined now by the former submarine commander, uh, Don Walsh, and by William Conan, who wrote a letter in 2018 raising concerns about the safety of the Titan sub. So, William Conan, let me come to you first. We spoke about this yesterday, about this letter warning about issues with the Titan submersible. Did people in the, in the industry of submersibles believe that this was a disaster waiting to happen? Well, look, the, uh, thanks, Piers, for inviting me again. This is really hard you know, uh, looking at all this and listening to the Coast Guard, uh, trying to find the feeling. But I think while you were speaking, I think uh, heartbroken was one of the words that comes comes to mind. Uh, you know, because we lose a colleague in this industry. We, we know each other well. The, uh, 
Look, from the beginning, uh, uh, we all felt as experts in industry that this was extremely challenging. Uh, to put in context, going 4,000 meters with five people uh, 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 requires a very large submersible. And first of all, going to 4,000 meters is difficult. Going with five people, uh, space is difficult. Uh, you know, you remember uh, when Jim Cameron went, right? He made yeah. himself a fairly small cabin. He learned how to sit in a crouched position for a long time because the smaller you make it, the stronger you are. Yeah. Uh, space is a luxury at these deep depths. And so it was our realization that you're taking on a very challenging issue that uh, while we have been going down to 6,000 and 7,000 meters, uh, having a something as large as for five people is uh, is a is a big is a big climb right there yeah yeah let me bring in don walsh uh, a legendary oceanographer don one of the first men to reach the deepest point in the ocean the mariana trench in 1960 uh, you're one of the first to reach that site you're a former submarine commander uh, what is your reaction to what's happened well, it's indeed tragic, but um, frankly, it was predictable. As Will Conan will tell you, we, uh, those of us that have been in this field, and I've been in it for six decades, uh, were concerned about some of the engineering and operational approaches that OceanGate was taking towards developing building the submarine. Now, um, there's nothing wrong with you building experimental things. Uh, you know, it's entirely on your own risk. But when you're taking members of the public along with you, then it suddenly becomes a concern to many regulatory authorities. Now, half a century ago, we, we established, this community established uh, regulations for the construction, the design, construction, and maintenance of manned submersibles. And these were done by the so-called class society, classification societies, such as uh, Lloyd's Register in the UK and American Ferro Shipping US and so on. And uh, these, uh, we often say most regulations or rules are, are written in blood because we learn from accidents and such what uh, we sh should not have done and things that we did not anticipate. So uh, for a half century, we've had these rules and regulations, but uh, OceanGate uh, essentially decided not to follow this type of guidance. So those of us in the deep submergence community led by Will Conan uh, wrote Stockton Rush a letter expressing our concerns and hoping that he would do more uh, testing and so on because the whole structure was unproved and there's several other parts of the sub that uh, really needed more testing. So, uh, you know, I hate to be a wet blanket, but, you know, that's the truth of it. I've, I've been, you know, I was the first submersible pilot in the U.S. Navy and probably the second one in the United States. I've piloted a lot of submarines in the last 55 years. So um, I... You have to say the truth, uh, and it's it's uh, it's something that's uncomfortable, but uh, I think a lot of us felt it was not if but when. I mean, I mean, Don, uh, there's a quote from James Cameron, the Titanic movie director you referenced earlier, uh, who's just told ABC, "I'm struck by the similarity of the Titanic disaster itself, where the captain was repeatedly warned about ice ahead of his ship, and yet he steamed at full speed." into an ice field. Do you think that's a fair analogy? I do, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I was with Jim on a, 
one Titanic expedition, and by the way, I've made a dive to Titanic also back in, in 2005, <clears throat> and I was on his expedition when he was the second man, well, the third man to dive to the deepest place in the ocean, Challenger Deep. So uh, I, you know, I, I understand what he's getting at, and uh, yeah, I do, uh, I do support that. I mean, it's there's certain things that. Uh, as I just said, it's not the question of if, but when. Yeah. And again, it's it's regrettable that members of the public uh, were exposed perhaps to risk uh, too early. Uh, Don Walsh, thank you very much indeed for joining me. And uh, William Conan, thank you very much indeed for joining me again. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, again, to bring you up to speed with the breaking news, uh, which is that the Titan submersible, this vessel which has gripped the attention of the world in the last few days, uh, very sadly has been confirmed, suffered a catastrophic implosion about 1,600 feet away from the wreck of the Titanic. We don't know when it happened. It could have happened pretty soon after they went down there on Saturday. Uh, nobody knows yet, but we do know that about 2.33 o'clock this afternoon, UK time, just before 9 o'clock uh, Eastern time in America this morning, debris was discovered, which gave clear indication it had come from the Titan submersible and the US Coast Guard, uh, just before we came on air today, uh, started a press conference in which they confirmed that, very sadly, everybody on board had lost those lives. And we should just remind ourselves, I think, about the human beings here who have died. Uh, one was the CEO of the company that put on the trip, Stockton Rush. Uh, and then there was a father and son duo, Shazada Darwood and his son, Suleiman uh, Darwood. And Suleiman was 19 years old, a student at Strathclyde University in Scotland. And there was a British billionaire, Hamish Harding, 58, who has three Guinness World Records for his exploration and daredevil feats over the years. A man who loved adventure and exploring and trying new things and loved his history. Uh, and Paul-Henri Najolet, who was known as Mr Titanic, he'd been down more than 30 times to the wreck. He'd brought back a, a huge amount of artefacts, including chandeliers and so on, from the wreckage itself, which he gave to, uh, to, to the world to know more about that, of course, that uh, moment when the Titanic sank and became one of the biggest stories of of uh, the history of planet Earth. These people shared a love of exploring and adventure. And I think that there will be an investigation to what happened, but we should just salute their courage in actually daring to do this. And I do that. Well, live coverage of this breaking story will continue now with Rosanna Lockwood on Talk TV for the next few hours. Stay with us. But that's it from me on this sad day. Good night. <laughs>